Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with our three sports-loving ladies, Lauren Brooks, Taylor Dahl, and Mia O'Brien. This is Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Welcome in to another Tuesday evening. A delightful one here on the First Coast. We've had some nice warm weather recently, mm. and I am enjoying it. Mia, you had a fun weekend out of town. I did, You've yes. been out of town back-to-back weekends, Charleston and then Savannah? I have. Finally uh, get, a, get a bit of a home game this week, although I will have the grandparents in town. And, Very uh, nice. And now it appears I will be bringing them with me. I'll be getting a kick out of if they're still listening since they listened to primetime today. Uh Apparently bringing them to the UNF basketball game, which I will now be calling on Friday night. So, All right. uh, yeah, excited for them to visit. They haven't visited, I think, since 2021 or maybe even 2019. So good weekend. But, uh, yeah, good weekend in Savannah, good weekend in Charleston. A little chilly Friday and Saturday night. But, uh, yeah, a little warmer the last two days. I went to Savannah, I told you, off for the Riley Green concert a year ago mm-hmm. in February, and it was like 40 degrees and raining the oh whole God. time. Right, but then the next day it probably was like 80 <laughs> degrees. Probably, but, yeah, well, I was like, this is not ideal. <laughs> and it's funny because I was just, so I have some friends that live up north, obviously, and some are in Minnesota, and on Thursday they are getting a massive snowstorm and, like, are expecting 16 to 21 inches of snow on Thursday. And I'm like, it'll be 87 here. Well, my brother even sent me a Snapchat of earlier today. There was, like, hail but it looked like snow but apparently it was like 50 degrees in New Jersey so can't can't get a read on any of it and then apparently there's you know discolored snow that they worry is from the the explosions in Ohio oh I don't know what's going on north of the Mason-Dixon line the w- vibes and the weather are good down here yeah I check the weather every day and I check it in multiple places because if especially if I'm going somewhere like we're going to Annapolis next mm-hmm. week so I've been checking the weather very often my cousin lives in Denver so I check the weather in Denver and then when I talked to her this past weekend, she's like, sometimes I don't even know when a snowstorm's coming. And I was like, well, I do. <laughs> I'll tell so you. So I will start alerting you. <laughs> and so yesterday I told her, like, a snowstorm's coming tomorrow. She's like, how? It's like 60 today. I'm like, do you not yet realize how the Rocky Mountains mm-hmm. affect your weather? It will be, yes, gorgeous one day. And then it can be like minus 10 the next night. Yeah. So just pay attention. That's all. Yeah. All right, let's talk about one guy who wants to stay in Jacksonville and on the First Coast for a long time. That would be Evan Ingram. I thought the tweet, Mia, was was funny but also strange. My heart dropped. I thought this was the announcement, but then crying laughing face. Yeah, um, I, I think because from what at least I've been told, I mean, listen, they're going to keep him one way or another. Sure. Um, and what was most, and I just said this to Frank and Hayes during the handoff, what's most encouraging is the fact that unsolicited, Evan Ingram brought up in that XM interview the fact that if he's tagged, he knows that that is only to create more room for them to negotiate a deal long term. Um, simply to add more days and weeks into the negotiating window. Um, And from what I've been told, it does sound like a deal, you know, is in the works. Um, I'm very curious if the announcement was with regards to the franchise tag or to the deal. See, I Um, thought it was the franchise tag based off of the fact that he said, my heart dropped. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so that, we read so much into these things I, well, in the offseason. Well, that's where I think I, that's where, right, correct. I think that's where, you know, the announcement would be my agent hasn't come to a deal. Right. And that's where his heart dropped, which if you're a Jaguars fan, you should be encouraged by that because, again, that's that's a positive that he wants to get a long term deal done. He's not just looking for the best available suitor. And for what mm-hmm. it's worth, it now, you know, from talking to some people today, it, it kind of sounds like that's the same boat that Juwan Taylor is in. Um, and so. You know, you want guys that want to be here. That is a far cry from where we were the past few off seasons. Yeah, and I think for me, the Evan Ingram thing, I think 
of course that would be a reaction from him is like wanting to be here because they kicked him out of New York. Like they did not like him anymore. They make fun of him. They thought he was terrible. They mocked him for dropping passes and he dropped a lot of passes. So whatever was happening there, whether it just be that no connection with Daniel Jones or the weather, who knows? Um, it didn't work for him there, and now it's working for him here, and he does have that connection with Trevor Lawrence, and he had a good season, and he has fans that are rooting for him to stay rather than trying to boot him out. Um, so, of course, why would you want to leave that? And I think for Juwan, I, I think there's a little bit of that there because he is obviously this season uh, – he had such a great season this last year, and it was coming off a year where so there were some questions with it. But he hasn't been in a situation where, like – the whole team was like, we don't want you anymore, even though there was a little bit of talks of last year of like what to do with Juwan if he was going to be a starter or whatever. But Evan Ingram has experienced what it's like to be in a city and on a team that it's not working. Yeah, with Juwan Taylor a year ago, the conversations were, could he move inside so, to yeah. guard? And he said he's a tackle. And, and look, he proved his worth. Mm -hmm. I really hope, I'm I'm somebody who wants all three of those main free agents, Arden Key, and then the two we've just been discussing, Joan Taylor and Evan Ingram. I want them all to be here because I loved the vibe from this team so much this year. But I also understand, like, everyone in that NFL world knows it is a business. Mm -hmm. And if Joan Taylor is offered a whole heck of a lot money to – a lot more money to play left tackle than he is right tackle, well, then I can understand if he takes that money. I don't think he's dissing Trevor. I don't think he's dissing yeah. uh, Phil Rauscher or Jacksonville yeah. or the success that this team has had. He's looking to try and get – the most amount of money that he possibly can. I just hope that the Jaguars are able to counter to give him enough to want to stay here as a right tackle. Yeah, and, and I think that's a big thing with Jawan because as much as as much as it's easy to say right now or you know a couple weeks ago, I'll take less for this team. Once you start seeing those numbers and teams are like, hey, because that also not only is it money, but it's showing how much other teams value you and how how much you could they're like hey we want we like you so much we're going to give you x amount of money to come to our team because we love how much you play that's a compliment too and so as much as you want to say that some of these guys and you see some loyalty in the NFL but you see a lot of guys take the money and and like I said there's multiple reasons they take that money too what's so fascinating is if they are forced to franchise tag Jawan Taylor which I've been told that's probably not going to happen they are either going to come to a deal or they are going to have to let him at least take a look at what's going on around free agency just because that 18 million dollar tag is so hefty um when you look at the other right tackles that are available on the open market Jawan Taylor is the youngest at 25.2 years old um when you look at the other quote-unquote marquee names that are available Mike McGlinchey out of San Francisco, I would say, is probably the best. He'll probably command the most money. I, I would think they're going to try to re-sign him. Then you go to George Fant, the often maligned right tackle slash left tackle slash wherever they put him up with the New York football Jets. Billy Turner, Jawan James, David Kessenberry, and old friend Josh Wells. That is who is on the list right now, in addition to a couple of other names that are more journeymen and swing right tackles than they are a starting right tackle. And so, uh, yeah, that's the other part of it, too, is in terms of market value, just looking at sheer age and sheer number of starts over the past four seasons, if not a whole career, it makes sense for Jawan Taylor to test the open market. But mm -hmm. I've been told that he has been having active conversations that he has initiated with the Jaguars front office. And so hopefully that's an encouraging sign that they'll be able to get a deal done. I'm someone – I've never obviously been in the position of being offered millions of dollars, <laughs> yeah. but I'm someone that is – so 
accustomed to living here. I mean, and Juwan Taylor also from Florida. He's from Coco. Not he's that got far a Jaguar tattoo. So, I mean, that exactly. might be an awkward conversation down the line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't have a Jaguar tattoo. If I was to get a tattoo, maybe a Jaguar would be it. But I would take, I know myself, I mm-hmm. would take less money to remain in a more comfortable situation especially one that was looking to be successful like this one where you have a head coach who you're familiar with and the quarterback is outstanding and you have so many fun teammates and and teammates that you want to play for around you. I personally know for sure I would take less money. But the question is how much less money would I take if they were offering uh, $13 million a year elsewhere and the Jaguars were offering $9.5 million a year I think I would take the nine and a half yeah. million to remain in a place where that I love. Yeah. That's what I think. And I know all the restaurants and I know the, mm-hmm. you know, like I think that's what I would end up doing. But there are also other people in your life that come to you, maybe a financial advisor that say, no, go get that money. Um, You'll yeah. find new restaurants and a, and a or, fake beach somewhere else. Yeah. In addition to people you've played with on former teams and people, you know, and he knows in the NFL sure. could also be like, I get it, man. But like, look at this situation. We have this, this, this. And like the city is, has this. And there's, there's also other things that could persuade. And like, it's easy for you, especially Lauren, because you're like, Jacksonville, Florida, homegrown. Like, there are people, a lot of people here that don't feel that way. Like, it'd be easy for them to be like, oh, I'd love to go to another city, you know? So, granted, for him being a Gator and being here, it's so close to home. So, there is a lot of his life that has been spent here. But I I think that I definitely, I don't, I'm not surprised he's listening to the Jaguars because, of course, you're going to have that conversation and want to be like, hey, I know what it can be like here. I'm comfortable. These are my, like, my family now. And that's what happens. But, it's easier to say that now until another team comes out and is like, not saying he's leaving because I, I don't know what another team's going to offer him either. Um, but I do know several teams, including the Bears, need a right tackle very badly. So well, and His whole family can come watch him play when mm-hmm. the Jaguars are at home. That's something special that you wouldn't necessarily get if you went elsewhere. Right. And I think there's some merit to, I know Leon Searcy has brought this up as well, the fact that obviously Jawan lost his father last offseason, um, you know, tragic heart attack. And so – I think there's also some notion to that, that he played for his dad this past year. And I think there's some notion to being close to his family at home during a a time of need for them. So um, I I look at the market and, you know, I I look at what the franchise tag is and hear what I do. And I think the clock is up against the Jags. And Mm -hmm. I think that the money isn't on their side. But if Jawan Taylor really wants to stay home, then, yeah, you got to rush to him and get him, you know, strike the iron while it's hot. Which I am in all or all in favor for. All right, when we come back, Jim Cooter, Jim Bob Cooter to the Colts as a defensive coordinator and a whole lot more. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tarot on 10 to Next on 82.5 FM. Well, can't you see that it's just raining? There ain't no need to go outside. A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Doing what you're supposed to. Waking up too early. Maybe we could sleep. Make you banana pancakes. Pretend like it's the weekend now. We could pretend it all the time. Little song called Banana Pancakes by Jack Johnson. There's a reason that food is involved. That's because Ricky Stenhouse Jr. celebrated his big Daytona 500 victory by going to Waffle House. 
I think he might have been inspired mm. by a certain quarterback here in Jacksonville. But either way, that inspired me to think of songs about food, our favorite songs about food. This one, for me, was easy. Banana Pancakes by Jack Johnson has been one of my favorite songs for a very long time. Yeah, I th- I'm glad we – because I was interested to see where you were going with it because when you sent the idea, Mia immediately was like, I feel like we're all going to pick the same one. And I was like, Which may no. or may not be my song coming up. Yeah, I was like, no, but I think I know what yours is going to be. <laughs> and so I was interested to see what route you were going. I like that. I love that song, though. It's a great song. And uh, it, who doesn't like banana pancakes? Me. I love banana. You don't you like don't, banana pancakes? Oh, you don't like bananas, right? Correct. Correct. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Irrational fear. Another <laughs> story for another time, folks. Do you get your potassium another way? Uh, no. Ironically, <laughs> I went for my uh, high school physical, and uh, again, this is after high school. Oh, yeah, this is, yeah. Okay. So we're going back in time here. Um, I went for my high school physical, and so I was 18, and so I hadn't eaten a banana in 14 years at that point. And uh, they told me I had exponentially high levels of potassium, and uh, no one else has said that I have low levels. So okay. we're just so you're keeping good to on, go. keeping on. I was just showing actually JJ over the weekend because I, I can't remember where it was, like Korea maybe, but they sell their bananas in packs and like it's not like the bundle like we get them mm-hmm. here, but it's like they're pulled apart. So it's like packs, but they give you different levels. So it's like from green to yellow so that each day like you're not getting like an old banana because if you eat the yellow one each day, it'll like ripen a little bit. I was like, right, that's, that's a good idea. That is very smart. We're not quite that smart <laughs> We're not yet. there yet. I used to, in college, that was my breakfast was a banana every day. And so I would buy them green like two weeks ahead of time. So mm-hmm. by the time I was ready to eat them, they were yellow with like the light brown spots. That yeah. was my absolute favorite. Yes. <laughs> Do you, yes. you agree? I Yeah. And this thing that uh, Taylor showed me was the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it just shows how behind we are right? when it comes to just like... Anything smart compared to Asian countries. <laughs> that is a hundred percent correct. That's I saw I love um, their food too. What's his name? Ted Nguyen from the Athletic, who does a lot of their uh, number crunching, mm-hmm. is over in Japan right now. He got a wagyu steak, some other fancy steak, and salmon for all under forty bucks. Mm. Ooh, pretty good. Again, they do it right over there, JJ. Yeah, I don't think you can get a Wagyu steak in the United States for under $40 alone, let yeah. alone anything else to go with it. All right, Jim Bob Cooter to the Colts as offensive coordinator. Mia, do you think this changes anything about how Trevor goes about his business next season? No. Doesn't. That's good news. Doesn't at all. Um, I, I will tell you this. If anything, the, uh, the part of the Jim Bob story that you should pay attention to is the fact that he at least had the courtesy to give Doug Peterson a heads up that he was, in fact, going to be seeking uh, greener pastures elsewhere. And I don't think it's necessarily greener as much as it is a job that he hasn't had since 2018. And so um, you can't blame the guy. He had interviewed multiple places, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carolina Panthers. It was only a matter of time before, you know, one of those guys ended up saying yes. And so um, while I know uh, uh, Joe Coward in particular is crushed by this loss, um, (laughs) the reality is... is Very fond of Jim Bob. Very (laughs) fond. Yeah, very, very. Um, I think the reality of the situation is when you see Trevor Lawrence go off to the sideline, you see him go to Mike McCoy, and you see him go to Doug Peterson, mm-hmm. and press Taylor's of the press box. Otherwise, he'd probably go to him. So, as much as I think, yes, Jim Bob is part of that that uh, brain trust, and I think that you know, I, I think that he was another voice, another former quarterbacks coach, another former quarterback. Correct me if I'm wrong. Another, you know, like if you look at all those guys' resume, they all kind of read the same. And so, as long as they're replacing him with someone with a similar resume um, ish, then I think you're going to be just fine. Yeah, I think for most people, it's not. I don't think 
the majority of people think that losing Jim Bob Cooper is going to drastically change what the offense is doing. I think it's more of a little concern because you would like Trevor Lawrence to have an offensive staff for a couple years together and not that he's been through so many changes and it'd be nice to have another season where you're like, okay, he's comfortable. He knows who to go for what and what he's comfortable with, with each coach, because I'm sure they each have their thing. Um, And you saw how much the passing game improved in general, but also you're more so looking at it like, don't go take any of our secrets to the division team. And because we're playing you twice a year and now you're going to be able to tell little things about Trevor Lawrence. You're going to be able to tell some of his weaknesses to this other team and you're going to be able to help their offense a little bit. So to me, it's more so that than what, we're losing in Jacksonville and it's Jim Bob Cooter like that's the best name to be in Jacksonville (laughs) (laughs) I did see AJ Brown obviously the Eagles and Titans are not division rivals by any means but I saw that AJ Brown told his Eagles teammates because of course the Titans traded him to the Browns that the he was like the Titans never change anything here are their signals yeah here they are and (laughs) it was no surprise I'm assuming they didn't change anything. Maybe that's why John Robinson got fired. And maybe that is. I I definitely thought about that. It's it's just really, I think, to Taylor's point, it's not ideal for Trevor to lose anyone, like you said, in the brain trust, Mia. But if it was going to be any of them, mm-hmm. I, it does feel like the passing game corner. To me, Doug Peterson is the offensive corner, the passing game corner, and the quarterback's coach. Yes. It's just those other guys also all fit in. And I'm sure that he, like Andy Reid, is a very uh, has a very open mind when it comes to listening to mm-hmm. other people draw play calls. We certainly saw that this past season with Phil Rauscher coming up with a play call. So I, I think everything will be just fine. But I don't love that, yes, he's going to the Colts and could potentially get a really good quarterback. Considering, considering how many coaches get poached under Andy Reid, considering how many coaches within Doug Peterson's system here in Jacksonville were – if only casually approached for potential job interviews this offseason. If you walk out of this offseason and you only lose two coaches, it's a win. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and it's a, it's a win-win in my eye because you still are keeping the majority of coaches, but also that means people, other people are noticing that your coaches are doing a good job. And unfortunately, that's part of being a good team. You, you're going to start losing coaches. That just means you're doing it right for once. <laughs> we sure. don't usually Yeah, have. that's also true. <laughs> but, oh, by the way, like passing game coordinator uh, – Title, yes, uh, the passing game was great this past season. But it was also great because Trevor Lawrence took a big step, Mm -hmm. and he actually had receivers run the right routes and catch Catch. the passes. That was also critical. All right, Chris Trapasso redrafted the first round of the NFL draft and had the Jaguars taking Sauce Gardner with the first pick, while Trayvon Walker went 30th overall. What do you think, Taylor? Um, I mean, I get it. I completely get it, personally, because what's the position? Like, we're looking at the secondary a lot. Um and this offseason, maybe more so corner, that specific corner. But I think that a lot of people at this point, and we've talked about it a little bit, that I, I don't think many people are like, Trayvon's a bust. They, they're not there because you did see improvement throughout the season. But there are questions of, like, was that worth a number one overall pick? Um, and I'm not sure. that That is still a big question mark, especially for me. Um, so I get it. I mean, I think that when you're looking at what Sauce was able to do and that defense and – and New York was very good, and there was pieces all over the place. So would it have looked the same here? I'm not totally sure, but I I, th- I get that. And I, when I first saw it, I kind of was like, ah, because I did have some questions. I feel like Sauce, when you really watched him throughout the season last year, and it's not like I watched a ton of Jets games, but when I did turn them on, 
they let him get away with a lot of pass interferences. Every single time I turned on a game, it was just a call where I'm like, wow, like he's just blatantly uh, holding there, interfering, and they're not calling it. That's what I guess you get when you're the defensive rookie of the year. You kind of get away with a little bit more. Those things, so we'll see the next few seasons if he's able to fix and tone down some of those things because obviously he's an absolute stud and he had a great year. Um, but so I, I'm not surprised that that's a name that they would throw out as a redraft. I'm mostly just happy that he didn't have Brock Purdy in the top five. Like I saw a couple <laughs> of other teams. And that is with all due respect to Brock Purdy. who you know, He had him going 16th overall, I believe. Yeah, he had him going 16th overall to the Saints who find themselves, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, in quarterback purgatory right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably would have been not the worst call in the world, even if in the in the moment everyone would be looking around like, who? What? Who, but I also don't know how well that would have worked. And because the thing, the 49ers, I think, worked so well for him because there was everything you needed on the 49ers. And Shanahan's play calling is just like exactly the type of team that I think Brock Purdy, Purdy could you could plug him into. I'm not sure the Saints would have worked that well. So we might be sitting here and doing a redraft and being like, Brock should have been last. <laughs> What's fascinating to me is how many of these players – he has sticking with the team that they were in reality drafted by. I mean, whether I mean it's Jamison Williams, although at 32, whether it's Drake London with the Falcons, whether it's Ika McQuanu, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, a lot of teams that, hey, you know what, wasn't perfect, but it's trending in the right direction, so mm. they would have still stuck with this. If you had told anyone at the night of the draft, and this is even after all the, the smoke with regards to Trayvon Walker got out and everyone was like, really? You're really going to bank on that much ceiling? If it had gotten out that the Jaguars were drafting not only a corner first overall, mm-hmm. but a corner from Cincinnati, I don't care that they went to the college football playoff. Everyone would have once again been just bashing the Jaguars left and right. I do think part of it for Sauce Gardner is DJ Reader, who he's opposite of, mm-hmm. great corner. I think that that really helped. Um, but, yeah, no, it, in the moment, like in a vacuum right now, hindsight's twenty twenty. that's great. But yeah. I don't I remember draft night when they called Sauce's name and he walked, he accidentally walked the wrong way. Do you remember that? And there was like the memes because they were like, he heard he was going to the Jets and was like, no, <laughs> the other way. That's right. Yeah. I, I agree. I think there are certain draft principles and it seems like taking a corner one or taking a receiver one seems ludicrous, but yet as long as it's not the first overall pick, yeah. then everything else is fine. And yep. so that some of those you can do draft it one or two spots down, but right? Like some of those draft one. principles are stupid. Like yeah. Justin Jefferson can go number one overall if so. And now, Chase, granted, yeah. right? And granted, there are usually quarterbacks going one. This past season, that's not the case. We, we obviously had lots of defensive players going uh, first, second, and fourth. But I think those draft principles should be thrown out the window by now. Yes. Nowadays, you're not going to take a running back number one overall, but most other positions, if the Jaguars could have done it again, I remember saying this, I think, during the losing streak, they could have had Sauce Gardner one, and they could have had George Karlaftis, Mm -hmm. the pass rusher for the Chiefs, in the spot that they had Devin Lloyd. And I was like, you don't think that this team would be better with those two guys because Karlaftis had more sacks this season than Trayvon Walker did, but you build for long-term success, not necessarily short-term success, and while... We'll take all the short-term success. (laughs) You also know or you expect Trayvon Walker to be a stud Mm -hmm. once he learns a little bit more. And and that's what I think this offseason certainly will be built around is is him developing those pass rush moves and being able to put his techniques together. And and also, 
now he has, I think, multiple positions that he needs to get comfortable at. Mm -hmm. And even though last year they told us they were only going to put him in one position, that was not the case. And so I think he gets to kind of move around in training camp this year instead of just being an outside linebacker. And that should hopefully help. Uh, By the way, Mia, speaking of redrafts, the 2020 NFL redraft had the Jaguars taking T. Higgins, who, of course, this past season had 74 catches for 1,029 yards, and Alex Highsmith, who had 14 and a half sacks for the Steelers, as opposed to C.J. Henderson and Kaylon Chason. Let's go back to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of the issues the Jaguars are now facing as they get ready for the 2023 NFL draft Mm -hmm. can kind of be traced back to – when they had two first-round picks in the Ugh. 2020 draft. And you can blame COVID and not having home, home visits all you want, but the odds of going 0 for 2, I mean, how? Yeah. How? And that bad of 0 for 2. Right. <laughs> like, that's swinging and missing. Absolutely. And Gator fans would have told you, do not draft C.J. Henderson. Yeah. I, think there, I, I remember there say, was. Yes. I will say I was in favor of Caleb on Chase on. I okay. thought he was really good at LSU. But it certainly has not amounted to be anything uh, here for the Jaguars. I find it pretty funny how uh, they, in the same uh, story, again, this is on The Athletic, uh, courtesy of Deontay Lee. I found it fascinating that he said that the Dolphins also went 0 for 2 with their picks in Austin Jackson and Tua Tagovailoa. They ended up with, in this redraft, Justin Jefferson and Tua Tagovailoa. So, <laughs> and, I mean, you tell me. You tell me <laughs> that compared to the Jaguars with Caleb on Jason and C.J. Henderson. I just wish that Tua had been able to be healthy all season because mm-hmm. I think the jury still is out on him, A, based off of the concussions, but B, also just is he going to be able to be a good enough passer in the league? Mm-hmm. He started off so good, and then who knows what it would have turned out like. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly glad I'm not the Dolphins organization because I don't know how you – believe that you're setting yourself up for a long-term quarterback in Tua and they're going to have to make decisions and all that stuff. Yeah. Unless of course they end up with somebody else. Yeah. And and that's what it's interesting to me with the 49ers also, just because you have Brock Purdy who you saw these like glimpses of, but it fell a little short in in the playoffs. Then he got hurt. And then Trey Lance has played like three or four games because it just hasn't happened. And then he got hurt and Jimmy Garoppolo, they're talking about going other places. So it's going to be like, that's another team to me. That's just so intriguing of what they're going to do with that. Like, Either go full full on with Trey and be like, hopefully he's it in year three. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I I think I said last year they're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, although they didn't want to. It just mm-hmm. turned out they kind of ended up having to. But I thought they would keep Jimmy Garoppolo along because Trey Lance is such a wild card. Yeah. And now, of course, they are saying, like, for sure not Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm like, again, I think <laughs> you should God. keep Jimmy Garoppolo because you don't know what you have. But I think it will benefit another team. But, again, can Jimmy G stay healthy? That yeah. that also is another Kyle question. Kyle Shanahan could have Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback. He would figure it out. I've accepted Well, he this. could have had yeah. McCaffrey playing quarterback mm-hmm. against the Eagles, and nothing was figured out. But, yeah, they certainly did not. Prepare for that situation. All right, when we come back, we will keep it on the NFL. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyrell at on 10 to next on 92.5 FM. It's peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. These heels are made for talking. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. How on earth did this song become popular? I have no Taylor idea. Doll. I truly do not know. It's I just like, like OG I, internet. There was multiple that popped in my head at one time when I was trying to think of it. And one was the first one 
was the Gwen Stefani like hollaback girl because it's, it spells bananas. Sure. And but it has the cuss words in there a lot. And so I was trying to find one without, but I couldn't like all of them still said one cuss word and okay. I couldn't find one without that. So I was like, I don't want that to slip in <laughs> That's on accident. So this was just, I was like, then I'm like, okay, let me think of another one real quick. And this was what came up. So you don't cuss, which we know, but mm-hmm. if a cuss word is in a song, do you sing the cuss word? Mm-mm. Good question. No. No. I'll, no. I just. You change it? <laughs> I'll like say like, shh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or pho. <laughs> I don't finish it. Pho is delicious. JJ do, JJ, do you sing it? Oh, I sing it loud and proud. <laughs> there it is. I think it I, depends on the song for me. Yeah, I, by the way, our music theme tonight, food, because Ricky Stenhouse Jr. copied Trevor Lawrence and went to Waffle House when he won the Daytona 500. I say he copied Trevor. Do we think that really happened? Yes, you 100%. Think it, you think it did? 100%, okay. I don't yes. know much about Where's Ricky Stenhouse Jr., so I don't know that he pays attention to Trevor. I think that Trevor. there's just not a lot of open place. And then that, well, yeah. <laughs> also the 500 that. finishes what time? Uh, well, it this year later, it actually right? finished on, t- well, it I had went to double overtime, but it, at the same time, considering two years ago it ended at one thirty in the morning right. because of rain delays, I think they'll take a delayed finish because it was so competitive. I'm but- assuming you have, like, media availability you have to I do. See. And I don't know a lot of sponsorship crap for NASCAR, <laughs> I'm you sure. you do a million sponsors. Yes. A lot of people to thank. Yes, for sure. That's a good point. I will say, going back to the cuss word thing, I don't like – the GD phrase. Mm-hmm. So when that comes up in a song, I do not sing that. You don't see sing either word. You no, just beep out sometimes both. I'll sing "Gosh darn," <laughs> <laughs> which sounds really silly. That's <laughs> actually a rare for that to be in a song. That's rare. Yeah, it's in a few. Like mm-hmm. there's an Eagles song, I think. Um, uh, Life in the Fast Lane. I, I'm pretty sure it's in that song. And then I heard a song the other day, and it was in it, and I was like, Ugh, I hate this part. I wish they wouldn't put that in there because you're right. It's not very often. Yeah, definitely not. Where's there's Ricky one Stenhouse that I'm from. thinking of that definitely has. I just, Memphis, Tennessee is where oh, he's Oh, okay. From. So he's from the South. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes Waffle House in the South, right? Yeah. I still think the word got around, and obviously Daytona Beach isn't that far from Jacksonville. It is in Florida. So it's like, well, we're in Florida. Duh. That's where the first else thing you going to go? Yeah. Trevor's a You guys a are trendsetter. so just jags. <laughs> we are. <bubble. laughs> we are. I. But I feel like, isn't Trevor Lawrence way more of a celebrity than Ricky Stenhouse Jr.? Well, when yeah, Ricky Stenhouse but- Jr. was dating Danica Patrick, he was very much a household name, but he's kind of fallen into the background. Of, right, and of he late. hasn't won in what, like 100 and something races? He was before Aaron. Before years. Aaron. Hasn't won in years. Yeah, so. I don't but- even know him. No, I'm not saying Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is a celebrity. I just think you guys think Trevor going <laughs> to Waffle House was some sort of It was of a viral moment. St- here. No, it was it was national. Wow. They talked about it on Sports Center. They talked about it on NFL Network. So now anyone who goes to Waffle House, Cat Patrick Mahomes talked about it. He is your demigod. He's a national icon. <laughs> it was only a matter of time. All right. There you have it. Scene. Right. CBS yes. Sports Jeff Kerr has franchise tag candidates for all 32 teams. Before we get into the nitty gritty, I will say as I scrolled through the list of all 32. You want to be a team that has a player that you want to franchise, that your team needs to franchise, because the really bad teams had no franchise okay. tag player They're like, nobody options. good to tag. Correct. The yeah. Bears had nobody good to right. tag. That, yeah, the Bears, the Broncos, and, and the Falcons, lots of teams that aren't very good were in that category. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad the Jaguars are in the category of they have a, a player that they need to franchise tag. 
Yeah, and because as I was scrolling, I was like, there's a lot of none, like, correct that just said none, though. And I was like, I was interested. I, I, I guess I haven't looked as much previous years to, like, comparably how many have, like, none and how many have some. But I do feel like this is a year with more nuns than normal. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's probably because, you know, contracts are ever-changing. And mm-hmm. so certain years, there just are guys that are already on long-term deals. Uh, all right. None, N-O-N-E, not N-U-N. Yeah, not N-U-N's. Okay. <laughs> he said none, N-O-N-E. Right. Because I said a lot of nuns. Oh, was- <laughs> a lot of, not nuns, the, the <laughs> yeah. Catholic praying people. Okay, got it. The sisters yes. of the Catholic faith. All right. Uh, so we already talked about Evan Ingram in the first segment. And we do believe that the Jaguars will get a deal done with him, hopefully fairly soon. Lamar Jackson for the Ravens, I think that's an obvious one. Mia, do you think that they get a deal done? It's To me, I thought this was a guaranteed lock that they would. And then when I read from Jonathan Jones that Lamar Jackson was not heavily involved in the offensive coordinator search with obviously Todd Munkin going from Georgia now to Baltimore. Contrary to what they said. Right, contrary to what they said was going to happen. I'm now starting to think maybe Lamar plays for a different franchise. But the problem is is that they're going to franchise tag him. Right, so I should say in two years. Right, they're basically going to hold him hostage, and then they can tag him again. Right. And so that's where you have to wonder, I mean, are you going to have a Le'Veon Bell situation on your hands where Lamar refuses to play until he is traded? Um it's going to be curious. Which to worked see. out real great for Le'Veon Bell. Right, yeah. exactly. And so, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the franchise tag is still quite a sum of money. Uh, and also, Lamar was the. Was no- like $32 million for a quarterback? Right. For a quarterback, yeah. it's $32 million. And while he certainly wants more, he hasn't been healthy. And so. Right. It's hard to argue for guaranteed money when you haven't played all 17 games or at least like 15 out of 17. Correct. And so that's where, if you're Lamar's camp, do you not put up so much of a fight this year because you do want to stay healthy and prove you're worth even more, and it truly right. is the bet on yourself that you did this past off season, where you believed you were worth more money. Obviously, it backfired and you got hurt, but you know maybe you say, all right, I'll do it again. It's a one-year deal, essentially, and maybe that's what then opens up the door for me, and I pull an Aaron Judge, and I get the money that I deserve from Baltimore. Because at the end of the day, who's got it worse? If Lamar has to go somewhere else and find a new team, or if the Ravens are suddenly scrambling for a quarterback – in a system that has been built around that quarterback that yeah. they completely t- t- departed from the Joe Flacco traditional quarterback offense that they had had for years and built one around this individual. Yeah, I, I agree because I think the Ravens are going to have to look at this as like, what would we do? And because you would have to find a quarterback in addition to now building your team around a whole new quarterback because you're not going to find a Lamar Jackson. I actually, I talked to, for my Bears podcast, Mike Mike Giannini. He's from SpotTrack. He's like the co-founder of SpotTrack. But he thinks that the Ravens are going to let him test the market. Really? Yeah, that's what he said. And it was kind of like his hot take of the podcast is like, I think this is what they're going to do and let him test the market. And see that he does, he's not going to get the numbers he thinks he's going to get. Like, I'll say this much because, like, my one cousin is a uh, season ticket holder. Shout out cousin Dan Lauren. Um, and yes. he's in the know with a lot of folks down in, or I should say up in Baltimore. He's been telling me for months that there have been, you know, some quote-unquote questionable character things off the field with Lamar. Really? The antics, of, you know, that he's, like, even on road trips, he's out until 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you know, finding his... I'm not sure I've heard that. Yeah, finding his ladies. I mean, I don't know how much truth there is to it. I can just tell you that's what, you know, they're hearing in Baltimore. Okay. Um, I mean, is that 
someone planting that mm-hmm. in order to sway public opinion. I don't know. But that should be fairly easy to- You would think. Yeah, figure out. A harness, yeah. yes. You would think. Right. You would think. And, and that's what, to me, because when you were when we were talking about how there's a lot that do not have a name listed by for franchise tag, and mm-hmm. a, another part of that is I think that, like, for example, with Chicago, David Montgomery, I love David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. I think he's great. But the problem is, are you going to pay $11 million to a, run, to a running back? And that's what, for the franchise tag, for some teams, it's like they have players that they'd want to, but to pay the certain price for a franchise tag at a position like a running back when you could find you find them a little easier. They're not, you know, the bread and butter of your offense. Well, they're not supposed to be the bread and butter of your offense. Right. They're just supposed to kind of be there to help. And you have another guy in Khalil Herbert. As much as I, I love David Montgomery, but I'm not going to personally tag David Montgomery for $11 million, you know? And so a lot of teams probably have situations like that where they're like, we like this guy, but is this cornerback worth $18.1 million? And that's the franchise tag number for a corner. Right. I think in looking at a big picture, it seems to me like the tackles are probably worth their money. It's certainly any sort of pass rusher mm-hmm. and, a, and a quarterback maybe. But the quarterback, you should either know or I think I can say this. You should know if your quarterback is going to be the long-term answer. Lamar Jackson and Tua Tagovailoa, though, are two of those situations that may be a little bit different. Lamar is certainly way more successful than, mm-hmm. than Tua, uh, evidence-wise, or history shows us that. And he has a lot more resume, as is evidence, to show that as well. But I, I don't know that you know that for sure. The yeah. 49ers are in that situation, too. But overall, you should kind of know if that's going to be your quarterback long-term. Mm-hmm. And so then and we'll get to contracts for quarterbacks later. But at that point, you should then sign them up to a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, Derek Carr, the moment, and I know we talk about Derek Carr <laughs> in this program all the time, but the moment that they the Raiders gave him $125 million, I was like, what? are you kidding me? Yeah. For that quarterback, Kirk Cousins. The moment he got, I think it was $84 80, million yeah. guaranteed, which now looks like a small amount of money, but at the time that was like the highest, you mm-hmm. know, whatever guaranteed. Russell Wilson, I thought, cra- well, maybe not as crazy as Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's, I thought that was ludicrous. And Russell Wilson's, I thought that was too hot. Like, certain guys they're overpaying and I I get it's your quarterback it's the most important position but you almost would want to be able to do like one-year deals with those types of guys Mm -hmm. but the guys that you know for sure your franchise quarterbacks you have to give them Mahomes like money all right uh Orlando Brown staying with his team the Chiefs I think that makes sense yeah you got to protect your your franchise quarterback Tony Pollard staying with the Cowboys I think only because of the injury if not, if he hadn't suffered that injury, yep. I mean, well, also, I, I think that they would have done it regardless because I think they will be saying goodbye to Zeke Elliott, if, so, if, if not this offseason, the next offseason. I think what stinks for Tony Pollard is that, you know, he probably is going to get stuck on that franchise tag. I'm not sure they dev- they negotiate a long-term deal mm-hmm. until they see him back fully healthy. I'll take a franchise tag if I'm a running back. That's yeah. for days. That's what I'm saying. Saquon million. Barkley, okay. same thing. Yeah, I, I mean. Saquon's an interesting one because the problem with they the They need Gi- him. The problem with the Giants, I mean, kind of similar to the situation the Jaguars find themselves in, but a little bit different, is they're going to pay Daniel Jones mm-hmm. by all accounts. Are you going to get that done before the franchise tag deadline? Or are you then going to tag Daniel Jones and you put place a tag on him? Or... And then pay Barkley. Right. Yeah. Or do you let Saquon Barkley walk? Because the fact of the matter is the Giants have more money to spend than the Jaguars, but they also have more holes. And so do you say, we're going to say goodbye to Saquon and we're going to use the money we would have paid him to be a top money free agent. We're going to use that towards other needs and also paying Daniel Jones. And that's what the Daniel Jones situation is going to be very interesting because from what it looks like is he's asking for a good amount of money. um, And I guess just, almost solely based off of this last season. 
But is is that going to be one of the situations that hurts other pieces like Saquon? Because they're not going to be able to pay Daniel Jones what he wants. And, and is Daniel Jones the same quarterback if he doesn't have, have Saquon, Saquon Barkley? Yeah, because when you look at that team and how much they – they were able to rely so much on the run between what Daniel Jones can do running, but obviously Saquon Barkley being healthy this last season and having a comeback year. And if you do not have that, I, I mean, I, you're going to have to work really hard to find somebody to be able to bring that offense back to what it was this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everything pivots on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones probably needs a Saquon Barkley more than another talented quarterback might need a running back like that. And, and Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. Do, do the Raiders need Josh Jacobs? Yeah, do the Raiders need Josh Jacobs as badly if they have Aaron Rodgers or another talent? Probably even Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll yeah. say that so Taylor doesn't make a face. Um, <laughs> but like, do they need him as bad? You know, that's the the tricky yeah. part. It all hinges on the quarterback. Uh, for the Bears, you said there's there's none that and, yeah. and none on the none. list, but none there's on none the on the team. list just because yeah. of that. And that's what they say. Uh, like Riley Reef, they could. David Montgomery could. But these are posi- like. The, the running back one's too high, and I think Riley Reef was just like he had some injury issues last year, so they don't want to have to, like, bank on that. But, so, yeah, none on that list. All right. We have Amanda Harrington, Senior Director of Communications at the PGA Tour, joining us next. And we have, of course, a player's giveaway, so you will want to stay tuned for that. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyler Lid on 10 to next on 92.5 FM. Yeah, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. That's how we do, how we do. Fancy life. It was there for the taking, Lauren. Absolutely. I looked at Taylor and I'm like, if our music theme is uh, music with food involved, Come on. Walker Hayes. Right which there. Which football game did this song blare over the halftime of? Was it the AFC or NFC Championship last year, I want to say? It, we, it was viral. Like, basically, you could not hear the, the studio analyst, or they weren't studio at the time. They were on the field at halftime. Yeah. But it, this he was performing the song behind them, Walker Hayes oh, was, yes. and it was so incredibly loud that that was, like, the main storyline. And people who don't know country were like, who is that guy and what <laughs> is that? Why is he singing about Applebee's? Yeah, why is he singing about Applebee's <laughs> is exactly right. So that's Mia's song tonight, our music theme is songs about food because Ricky Stenhouse Jr. went to Waffle House but that is a Daytona 500 winner tradition so it may not have been Trevor Lawrence inspired after all. (laughs) Sorry JJ. Amanda Harrington is here Senior Director of Communications at the PGA Tour. Amanda thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me ladies. Absolutely all right so I want to get into first things about you before we talk specifically about golf. How did you get into wanting to work for the tour? Um, The PGA Tour was always my dream. I grew up watching golf with my dad, and being the PGA Tour is the pinnacle of men's professional golf. I said, that's what I want to do. I was very fortunate to get here a lot earlier than I thought. Um, So I've been here about eight years at the PGA Tour, living and loving Ponte Vedra Beach. Awesome. Are you from here originally? From Georgia, so not too far. Um, I'm a Georgia Bulldog, so I feel like it's Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of Georgia golfers, too. There's a lot. Yeah. Oh, yes. We have one of the strongest contingents on tour. But um, also in Jacksonville, there's a lot of Georgia Bulldogs here. So it, it doesn't feel like <laughs> I'm so out of Bulldog country. 
I won't. I won't ask you if you claim Patrick Reed. I promise. I won't. I won't. I won't, I won't do <laughs> you know, that. No, I think you. the only other time I came here, I think that also came up. So maybe <laughs> it's there for the taking, man. It's there for the taking. Yeah, and uh, Lauren's a Gator, so I was actually shocked at her that her response was nice. But so you were just saying when you walked in that you've had a, a busy last three, four weeks. Tell us a little bit about uh, you've been kind of all over the place. Yeah. So the PGA Tour just wrapped up our West Coast swing. Um, after starting off the year in Hawaii, which is great Ooh. if you if you work at the PGA Tour, um, you so, get to go to both events in Hawaii. Well, I do set my schedule, so yes, no, I, the answer. I, I did not go to Hawaii this year. Um, gearing up for a heavy West Coast from San San, Di- San Diego to Pebble Beach, um, out in Phoenix to a little golf tournament called the WM Phoenix Open, um, and then most recently in LA for the Genesis Invitational. Um, it was an exciting week. Uh, recently in LA with John Rom winning. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have heard of John Rom, but he reclaimed the number one spot in in the world, um, which has switched hands just three times the, in the last three weeks yeah. between Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler. I think we would all have to be living under rocks if we had not heard of John Rom. He is, <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Uh, I will tell you one time. This is many years ago now. I won my fantasy golf league, and uh, I have never been prouder of anything in my entire life. That's awesome. Was Rom involved? <laughs> Uh, this was, uh, no, he, oh. this would have been about, how long ago? Maybe like eight plus years now. Okay. So before you even probably joined the tour, it might have been like nine years now. Uh, but it, I got to meet Rob Bolton one time, who's sure. the fantasy writer for the yep. PGA Tour. And I fangirled like all over. And he, I think he was shocked that anyone <laughs> in the world that was a female even knew about fantasy golf. And so I had to give him all the credit because I always looked at his power rankings for fantasy golf. Love that. Love it. So let's talk a little bit about the Genesis Invitational, but we'll begin with before the golfers even took the course. Obviously, the news, you know, 2.30, 1.30, whatever it was, two Fridays ago now that Tiger Woods would be playing in the field. I saw a lot of folks saying that when you're on the grounds and we had Mark Carnival uh, of, you know, PJ Tour, Sirius XM on XL Primetime last week, and he said it felt like the closest to pre-pandemic following a player he had seen, and of course it was Tiger, so it was amplified. Um, what sort of Tiger effect did you see on the course at Riviera? It really did, and, you know, from a tournament perspective immediately, the it was sold-out crowds, right? Everybody wanting to come, and over the weekend more people coming. What's really interesting is – just the generation that um, we haven't seen a lot of Tiger Woods playing um, golf lately, but when he does, everybody comes out. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first tee at Riviera, which is a very special place for Tiger Woods, it brought out all kinds of people within golf. So caddies of other players who weren't even teeing off in the morning were out there just trying to get a look at Tiger Woods. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I mean, speaking of the Genesis, because for me, I'm not the biggest golf watcher. Obviously, the Players' Championship, I'm fully invested. But aside from that, I'm very probably more casual. But I did see an interview, Max Homa, very emotional because it was like such a, a close ending to that. Do you see certain interviews like that or even obviously Tiger Woods, those things driving up for more of the casual viewers? Absolutely. Um, You know, that's something that I'm very fortunate in my seat. You know, I'm normally standing next to Max Homa or whoever it is who are who's dealing with, Okay, I just lost this tournament and watching our players um, react emotionally like that. I mean, he was choking back tears as his family and friends uh, stood just off the side watching him. And so what's what's great about this time in in the PGA Tour, not to do a shameless plug, but we just launched a Netflix series called Full Swing. a, a crew captured the PGA Tour behind the scenes all last season, and it just rolled out last week in L.A. Um, and I think that's that's what we're trying to do is get new fans into golf and to really see who these guys are 
um, outside the ropes. Absolutely. And of course, Max Homa already does a lot of that on his own personal Twitter page. And he was the defending champion at the Genesis Invitational. And he's a guy that I know has aspired and looked up to Tiger and company for so many years. So um, let's kind of walk through this leaderboard a little bit because it was a hell of a finish and it was a hell of a leaderboard throughout the course of the weekend. I know during the, you know, during the break, we talked a little bit about even Matt Kuchar, St. Simon's resident. He's up there at the top. You have Will Zalatoris with a torrid Sunday. He shoots a seven under par. And Scotty Scheffler still hanging around as well. So, I mean, as star-studded a leaderboard as you guys probably could have asked for. I mean, we're in La La Land, home of the stars, home of, you know, <laughs> Hollywood blockbusters, and you couldn't have scripted a better Sunday on the PGA Tour than last week. Um, a lot of guys that you mentioned um, are at the top of their form right now competing week in, week out. So it's it's typical of these Sundays, these PGA Tour Sundays now. We just saw it the week before with Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm and and Max Homa in his pre-tournament interview was saying, you know, how great is this to see these guys going against one another? And so to find himself in the mix on Sunday solidified him as a top player. Tell us about why this coming weekend the Honda is so important. So with the Honda Classic, yes, we're, we moved our West Coast swing down to the Florida swing starting in Palm Beach Gardens, the Honda Classic at um, one very iconic, very hard golf course, the PJ National um, but as we look to Ponte Vedra Beach and Jacksonville's home PGA Tour event, you know, this is a big week for guys who are not already in the Players' Championship field. So if you win this week and you're not already qualified, you're going to the Players' Championship. You're going to the Masters, the PGA. And then for the FedEx Cup, any guys that aren't qualified, the top 10 after this week at Honda will get into the Players' Championship, which um, I'm sure you guys and our listeners know uh, the Players' Championship is the first of a, of a big lineup of, of marquee PJ Tour events. And you got the Arnold Palmer sandwiched in between those two events as well. And then, of course, you got the Valspar following the players, too. You say you have a Matt Kuchar story for us. It's not some, but it, like you mentioned, it's good to see Matt Kuchar, um, a very recognizable figure in golf over a really long time. He had a great week, so it was good to see him up on the leaderboard. I spent more time watching him get coffee in the media center. Um, he is a coffee fanatic, okay. travels with his own stuff. Um, is known to find the best uh, local coffee uh, joints in whatever uh, town we're in. But uh, we were very fortunate, thanks to our friends at Genesis, provided a barista station. Oh, so nice. um, every afternoon you would uh, find Matt Kuchar in the media center sneaking in to get some of our coffee <laughs> where he uh, – a skinny vanilla latte is what he enjoyed. That's his thing. Well, I, I will say we love the barista in the media center at TPC Sawgrass yes, as well. We love him. Um, like truly, that man is amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, without yes. his coffee, I don't know what Especially I would do. Especially last year when I was freezing and I needed coffee yes. to warm me up. Truly, it does. It does not take much to keep us happy. <laughs> yes. Just give me the give me the smoothies and give me the barista and I'll I'll make anything work. It won't um, be cold this year though. I'm, yes. Exactly. I'm convinced it's going to be nice and warm. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. So with all that said. Amanda, you know, looking at John Rahm back to number one in the world and looking at Scotty Scheffler right back in the mix for a second straight year. What are your expectations? I know you can't really, you know, predict per se since you are a member of the tour, but um, for who we can expect to be making some noise and perhaps for those who are making way too early predictions for the Players' Championship in two weeks' time. Well, I think we'll see a lot of those guys at Bay Hill um, just two and a half hours from uh, Ponte Vedra the week before expect to see those those guys fighting for that top one that top spot where uh, Scotty Scheffler will be the defending champion at Bay Hill so while I, I see a lot of the stars coming out at TPC Sawgrass as they always do you know this is the deepest field in golf and it is a golf course where we've seen a lot of incredible 
um, golf incredible players make their careers. So while I want to favorite all the guys that you just mentioned, it it would not be unheard of to have one of these guys that's making their first um, first start at the Players Championship contend. Absolutely, yeah. I was gonna say as I'm looking even at the the final leaderboard from this past weekend. I mean, Will Zalatoris is still searching. You know, he was so close at the PGA Championship, and they detailed it at the uh, in the first episode of Full Swing on Netflix. Uh, was so close to that elusive first major. He's just made such a splash. But if he could win a big one like that, and then of course, uh, fellow George Bulldog Keith Mitchell finished Keith Mitchell. solo yeah. solo five as well this weekend. So that's another name. And then of course, Patrick Cantlay still hanging around as well. Um, I feel so old when they tweet out pictures of Keith Mitchell in college and it's like 10 years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, that that was just 2011. That's not that long ago yet. He looks so young. We, Don't do that. With Tom Kim, who is no, undoubtedly like our biggest superstar, he was born in 2000. Oh. So we're at that point on the PGA Tour. Um, but Tom Kim, he will be making his first start at TPC Sawgrass and one to keep your eye on. Yeah, Miranda Rossum told us, you know, that's her favorite golfer right now when she was here last week. A lot week. of people's favorite golfer. Who is another personality? Like, first of all, why has Tom Kim just, like, emerged as, like, next to Max Homa? Like, he's everyone's new favorite, you know, gen, you know, Gen Zer golfer. But who are some of these other names, personalities that, you know, are up and coming on the tour and maybe you've been able to develop a relationship with and maybe we should be keeping an eye on them? Well, with Tom Kim... You know, he, if you spend a minute around him, you feel that superstar quality and not in like a diva way. He's a down to earth kind uh, soul, but he has that it factor. I know that sounds funny to say, but anybody who spends around a little time with him will get that. Um, I think it's really cool to see how the um, top American players have embraced Tom Kim. So, you know, just last week, Justin, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth are having Korean barbecue with with Tom Kim in downtown LA and seeing the guys all come together at the President's Cup. Um, it's a little known secret that the U.S. team party usually ends up in the international team party. And I can assure you that Tom Kim was the life of the party. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you grow up golfing, Amanda? Uh, just a little. I okay. played on um, my my high school golf team, my varsity golf team, but I spent more time talking about, you know, who the girls were going out with and who... Um, <laughs> making any birdie so <laughs> that was my foray into golf but at least you have some experience so when you're around these guys I'm sure that it makes it a little easier yeah I um I remember one time I found myself in a conversation about my grip or my you know stance with some of these top guys and I said what am I doing here like <laughs> I should not I should not be in this conversation so while I appreciate it like I have no business um being in that conversation. But they can give pointers, and that certainly helps. They are incredible. They, I mean, just I encourage everybody to come out to the Players' Championship to sit there on the range and get behind these guys and see what they can do with a golf ball because it's spectacular. I see a couple of our uh, texters on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures saying how much they enjoyed Full Swing. So not to spoil it, but do you have a favorite episode? Is there one that you think is particularly juicy for uh, fans to gear up for? Juicy, I you know I I I may be a little too close to the the situation scene behind the scenes of some of the filming um, as we navigated having full crews behind you know you we see it with the Kardashians we've seen it with the success of other Netflix shows but um, it's unlike anything the PGA Tour has ever um, undertaken letting these crews in and for our players too who. You know, what I appreciate the most about our players is how hard they work at their craft. Like, they never turn it off. 
And so to let these cameras get behind them and see, you know, them in the finished trailers to, to see all the work and prep that goes into being a professional golfer, um, I think that's what people will appreciate about the top players. And then you're going to fall in love with new guys. Mm-hmm. So saw Figala, who was a rookie last mm-hmm. year on tour, um, another guy that you spend any time around, you're like, God, this is just a good human being. He was raised right by his family. Oh, and he happens to be really, really good at golf. So he's one that we'll be looking at this this year to break through. Uh, Joel Damon, who undoubtedly will have one of the the most heart-wrenching stories of anybody about being in this world, being in this level of professional golf, and can I win? He has one. Will he do it again? Um, but the full swing, you know, my girlfriends from college who have nothing, know nothing about golf, they're texting me like, oh, my God, you know, um, all kinds of things that they never knew about golf. So we are hopeful that you'll break into a whole new golf audience. What is the hardest part about your job, Amanda? The hardest part about my job? I don't think I've ever had anybody ask me that question. It's all great. <laughs> it's all just easy peasy. Um, I think, you know, I am personally vested in a lot of these players. And so, as I mentioned earlier, you know, watching Max Homa, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't help but get a little emotional watching what it meant to him. And, you know, I it's my job to support these guys to make their their weeks easier so that they can focus on the golf and not get too emotionally attached. But it's the same thing watching Tony Finau's uh, episode of Full Swing. I was on a plane and the flight attendant had to come ask if I was okay because I was crying <laughs> so hard. And was that because it was compelling or was it because I know Tony yeah. and know what this means to his family? I don't know, but uh, she did offer me a tissue. <laughs> That's so sweet. Amazing, amazing. So Amanda, where will we find you during Players Week, what does your week look like at TPC Sawgrass? Um, just making sure Stuart Moore has everything that he needs, his um, his lattes, his... Um, <laughs> yes, he's very particular. His salads. Uh, will you also be providing um, the, the, uh, the, the, the clothing and the hair? I know he's very particular about yes. how he combs his hair and what yes. shampoo he uses. I'll make sure that his, his nose is powdered anytime Perfect. that he's going into a press conference. <laughs> Um, and staying hydrated. So we must be sending this segment to Stuart. For him to <laughs> Absolutely, to. we are. He emailed us. He's got to be listening. No, you right. know that is an all hands on deck week. It it is very much. Um, and I got really excited being in LA and having that energy um, with all of our top players in one spot. So you know, last year was a lot of challenges with weather. Um, shout out to our incredible you know rules and agronomy team to get us through uh, the golf tournament because there were some points where I didn't know if we'd even started the tournament or if we were going to end the tournament right. Um, but you know Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll all be running around making sure that you guys are taken care of and and the hundreds of media members that travel from all over the world to cover the Players Championship. And then you know once we we tee off on Thursday, it's just uh, you know watching what happens mm-hmm. because I, I feel like we're in store for a great championship this year. Awesome. I certainly think so as well. And if you want to go, we've got a pair of tickets to the players on Wednesday, March 8th, plus a $25 gift card to Homespun Kitchen in Atlantic Beach. Be caller number five right now at 641-1010. Call number five, 641-1010, and you will get to go on that practice round and get the $25 gift card to Homespun Kitchen. Amanda Harrington, Senior Director of Communications for the PGA Tour, we thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thank you guys for having me anytime. We love talking golf. All right, we'll be back with more. You listen to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyra Outlet on 1010 2.5 FM. Cheeseburgers in paradise! Got to admit my carnivorous habit. Made it nearly 70 days. 
A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Some kind of sensuous treat. This is not my song, but I can sing along. JJ, this is your song? Absolutely. I love Jimmy Buffett. Huge chunk of meat. I got to see Jimmy Buffett one time in concert several years ago, and of course he played Cheeseburger in Paradise. This is, I'm sure, from the concert I attended, right? Since this is a live <laughs> version. This is from 1978. <laughs> okay, then I was yes. not there. Uh, not, not quite. Uh, I may be the old one on the show, but I was not there. Uh, I, yeah, I love Jimmy Buffett. My parents, I feel like every time we would go to the Keys when I was growing up, so like once a year, We'd listen to Jimmy Buffett all the way down to the Keys and all the way back from the Keys. That's Just, the time to do it. Absolutely. It is the time to do it. And this is, I'm surprised I did not think of this one to play. Cheeseburger in Paradise is a great song by Jimmy Buffett. All right. Thanks again to Amanda Harrington for coming in and joining us from the PGA Tour, Senior Director of Communications. I love the behind the scenes that she gets to offer, mm -hmm. uh, not just into the golf world as far as travels and things like that, but also the golfers world. And so uh, certainly appreciate her coming in. And congratulations to JJ, who won our prize? Uh, Mark. Mark. Congratulations, congratulations right. to Mark. You are going to have a treat. I've said it before. I used to go Wednesday afternoons when I had a corporate job and I could take off Wednesday afternoons. That was one of my favorite days ever mm -hmm. at the Players because you have great access. There's no lines for anything. Usually just a an absolutely perfect day and uh, parking's not bad and, yeah. and it's so much fun. And it's, there's really no bad day to go. It's really, it's interesting because we were talking about it a little on break, just how you feel like you don't know a lot of the golfers as well. Yeah. But as she was talking, because, you know, she was just saying she was really emotional on the flight and it was because maybe she had uh, that little extra connection. And I think about it all the time here because there's a, there, you grow attached to certain players and it's not even because maybe they're like stellar football players, but certain personalities you're just like drawn to and when they're good people and it made me immediately start thinking of Zay Jones because I didn't know much about Zay at all before he came to Jacksonville and by the end of the season I was like I love this guy I love this guy so much his personality the way he is with the with the media and just the little tidbits that Mia would get out you know just their little like having fun interview type things and so when she was like oh it's hard to explain I was like no I completely get what you're talking about completely. yeah um and I know we talked about this in the aftermath after the loss to Kansas City but you know that was one of the first times that I can remember probably since I was in Ithaca and like that was different I drank Donna Murphy if you're listening um because I obviously went to school with the players there and mm -hmm. so I was friends with them I felt you know the emotions they were going through because we were friends in class and that sort of thing but I will say that you know going into that locker room after the loss to the Chiefs you know that was definitely one of the first times that as I was walking in I went oh my god like they're gonna be devastated mm -hmm. and like that's where as a journalist you have a job to do most certainly and you have to remain calm and you have to remain impartial but like you know I knew I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to give, you know, give ask some, some hard, give, give a hug or ask two, some tough and, questions you know, too, ask though. some tough questions, give some, you know, bro hugs because, you know, they're hurting and mm -hmm. like, you know, it's, it, it's, 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 it's a fine line to walk. And that's why all the respect in the world to Amanda for what she does um, and the entire PGA Tour communications team, because, you know, these guys are sacri they're putting their body on the line. And when it comes to golf, I mean, heck, I played nine holes yesterday and like trying to maintain focus for nine holes where you're just hitting it around and having fun mm -hmm. compared to 18 holes where there's millions of dollars on the line. Like that's and there's a lot. People, some of these tournaments I was watching the other day and 
there's just people like breathing down his neck as he's about to like hit the shot. And I was like, there's no way in life I would be able to play major league golf. Cause literally there's people, the ropes are right there. And this granted it was a bad shot. So it ended up probably too close to the ropes, but he's just standing there like literally men breathing on his neck as he's trying to hit the shot to get it back on the green. But I'm like, no way I could ever major league golf. Yeah. And I, JJ, did you ever grow Liv up playing should golf? should have taken that name. Yeah. Major, Major League, League Golf. Golf. I'm like, never heard of that. JJ, did you play <laughs> golf growing up? No. Okay. Not a golf Do you enjoy player. playing golf now? I don't play golf now. Okay, yeah. I've always said golf is too much of a thinking. And that was talking golf with John yeah. Masala <laughs> Jr. <laughs> but you like watching it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm one of those people. I don't play, never played a lick, and I love watching golf. JJ, I'm curious because you're, you, like I said, you are a big Siwoo fan. Love Siwoo. Siwoo, I love all the, the Kims. Uh, yes, so all of the South Koreans. The Tom my Kim, guys. the Tom Kim like storyline though. I'm glad Amanda touched on it because it feels like it has kind of come out of nowhere. He's he was ruthlessly good last year, like, and he came out of nowhere, and he's fat. That's really what it is. <laughs> People love a chubby guy who smiles. And because oh, John loves that. say that. We love but, that. Uh, but that is exactly why people he love He doesn't chubby. look like a and, typical golfer. Exactly. Yeah. And he, like all the other Korean guys, they keep their name because that's their name. But he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to try to make myself, uh, I don't know, flash more to the dumb white American crowd. So I'm going <laughs> to act like my name is Tom. Even though it's not Tom. He got, right. And he only got the name Tom. Because he Thomas loves Thomas the, the Train. train. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, really? Which, yeah, I, I also love Thomas the Train when I was His name is Kim Hu Young. I just looked up. Yes. He looks like the... But there's I like did, eight I Kims on tour. So. I didn't know what he looked like until he just said he's um, chubby. And I was like, yes. oh, I want to see him. So he reminds me of the kid from Up. Have you seen the movie Up? Oh, <laughs> my God. just like the cute little kid from <laughs> Up. <laughs> I love it. I, th- I do think there's something about golfers that look a little different. Like, for a while, Bryson DeChambeau was yeah. gaining a lot of traction and, and popularity because nuts. all of a sudden he just beefed Yeah, big up. arms. He was gaining. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He was, yeah, Different type of weight that Tom, Tom Kim <laughs> yes, has. Also, uh, who is it? Who's the guy with the long hair with the cigar? Um, John- Cabrera. Oh, or yes, Angel. people love Cabrera. Angel you know, Cabrera, yeah. It's just because he looks different. Ta- look at John Daly. Exactly. Going back to him, Great I mean, point. he was kind of the first one, almost maybe not first. I don't remember much before that, but he, he certainly and he just had a totally different personality, which mm-hmm. is which is fun. I do think that's where golf with full swing. That's where golf is going to be able to gain more fans because there are people that are going to see into these guys' personalities that you mm-hmm. don't really get to see because golf, because it's such an etiquette sport, right? The sport is predicated on being polite mm-hmm. like and following the rules other than Patrick Reed. That's why I'm surprised JJ likes golf. He's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't like that. I hate like the personalities in golf. They're so like built in a lab. Jordan right. Spieth, Justin Thomas, yep. boring ass dudes, and like I, I hope Netflix the show is gonna do something, but honestly, I, I'm scared to watch it because I know what I'm gonna see. These guys are boring. <laughs> they, uh, they've l- literally the f- been like bred in a lab. Yeah, the they're first like episode, rich white kids yeah. who their whole life they just play golf. Like they're, they're uh, if a show has to have some sort of like. That's why I'm glad the live parts in there, because it's the villain. Exactly, yeah. you have to have something bad happen to these guys. Well, and I think and it's like everybody's friends on the tour, and uh, 
But see, there's there are rivalries on the tour, which again, like we don't really get to see the behind the scenes part of things. But I guarantee people. I don't know if Patrick Reed comes up in full swing because I've only watched one episode and change. There's the people one. who hate each other on the tour. But yeah, there yeah. are people, yeah. and I know for sure people don't like Patrick Reed. Like that would be the kind of stuff that would certainly draw interest. So yeah, yeah I'm excited to well, watch more than the first And that's episode. what like COVID summer when there was nothing else right. happening, the like Brooks and yep. was it DeChambeau? Yep. That got so crazy because nobody like non-golf watchers were like, oh, there's some drama and we don't right. watch golf and this is fun. But if they had more of that type of thing, I think more people would probably, be, when you get those personalities, because I'm such a like, I like the people. I like the personality. So maybe I got to watch the show. That's why the majors, I, I think, um, like at least last year, I thought the majors, I always watch them, but they had an extra bite to them with mm-hmm. the live guys right. versus the PGA guys. I love that. And I think part of it, and I know this will upset JJ, part of that was spurred by Rory McIlroy kind of, you know, trying to be this captain shield of well, the PGA Tour. Well, that's what he tour. is. Um, I do appreciate this one as well off the text line is I'm a lifetime enclosures from 5601 who says, being a golf professional myself, Rory's passion and commitment to the PGA traditions in episode eight had me comfortable with where the game is headed. Live is like how we talk about Jaguars players who don't want to be here. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I interesting can understand sentiment. I do think when we talk about you're talking about JJ, the players created in a lab, their personalities. I think from a very young age, they are taught that by their golf coaches because they have to stay composed. They yeah. cannot throw golf clubs or and that we've seen Spieth like get upset in the past and things like that. But like overall, they are trained from such an early age to kind of have that like laissez-faire attitude, even though inside they may be boiling, mm-hmm. because that's what's best for the yeah. sport or the game, things like They're that. They're also yeah. already super wealthy and and Some they've accomplished them. so much. Yeah. I want to see guys that are literally playing for their card, you know, like right. literally week in, week out, not making the cut, yep. still having to pay their caddy, like travel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That to me is oh, a yeah. lot more interesting than not guys who already are on the tour. They're going to be on the tour the rest of their yeah career or live guys who just get paid regardless. Same thing. It like, was because I remember it was another big deal. I can't remember who it was, but it was something with like an ant pile and the ball was by the ant pile and he like made a big deal about it. And everyone like shunned this guy because he did make a big deal. <laughs> so it's like the normal golf fans are like, you can't show your temper. Like you can't be mad. We're like, show us. I yeah, John see. Rom, everyone's They're- like, we... John Rom just needs to chill out out there. <laughs> John Rom openly admitting that uh, he did the math and his daughter was probably born nine months after he went to world number one. Like, we need mm. more of this. Yeah, exactly. Give I us love more nice of that content. Sexy talk. <laughs> <laughs> one segment to go. I don't know what to tease from that. You're listening to Hamilton Heels, driven by Tyra Lett on 10 to next on 92.5 FM. Always again for you, so sweet I can't forget. So good, girl, you make me sweat. But I'm talking about bitches and cream. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Addicted to you on top of 
One more song from JJ, Peaches and Cream. This was your song with a girl one time, JJ? Kelsey Stokes, fifth grade. This was our song. Do we know uh, where A little Kel- too sexual for I was going to say, is this song appropriate for fifth grade? Probably not. <laughs> do we know where Kelsey so. is? Is Kelsey hunting. listening right now? No. Or do we know I where Kelsey is? This is an unrequited love. Kelsey's probably still back in Ocala. That's just because us Ocala people, we don't really... Venture. venture too far from the nest, exactly. Does she have a sister? I si- just barely made it out. <laughs> Does she have a sister, Kayla? No, she oh. doesn't. Because I, I worked with a, um, a Kayla Stokes at the Outback in the Villages, but she was from Ocala. So oh. Yeah. Maybe related. Yeah. Maybe that's Kelsey's new name. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's changed her <laughs> name. She used to sing Peaches and Cream under her breath <laughs> yeah. at all times, because if so, that was her. All right, Mia, give us a college basketball update. We didn't have time for it last week, but I know a lot has changed over the last two weeks. Uh, certainly, we don't need to even mention the Florida men's basketball team, because mm-hmm. that season is over. Yeah, I mean, we can talk a little bit about the fact that, obviously, uh, you know, Colin Castleton, uh, done for the year. Yeah. Uh, I was um, Taylor was the one that texted me and informed me of his injury because I wasn't even watching that game. I had a different game. I on. guarantee Taylor was not watching was not that watching. game either. <laughs> and and she was like, I don't hey, even know why I got the notification. You got well, you got the press release, and then oh, that's what. It and was. then I found the tweet, and it was just so like vague and generic. It was just like, once a Gator, always a Gator. Thank you, Colin. I was like, did he die? Like, <laughs> what like, happened? like what happened? Like I've never seen something so drastic in a tweet. Um. So yeah, obviously, uh, yeah, not so great for Florida. They did pull out a win that night against Ole Miss, but then got smoked by Arkansas over the weekend. Um, What's been most interesting is, of course, the fact that after weeks of the number two team in the country continuing to get knocked off, now we're seeing the number one team in the country continuing to get knocked off. Alabama beat by Tennessee last week. Uh, They do bounce back, and they beat Georgia handily by almost 50. Um, But now there's also the news, and now Houston has become the number one overall team in the country. And now the news that Brandon Miller, um, the star player, most likely going to be a top five NBA draft pick, SEC freshman of the year, potentially SEC player of the year. Was he potentially involved in a murder in Tuscaloosa in the past month? And so, obviously, it'll be curious to see, A, what the legal ramifications of such conspiracy and accessory to a crime could mean for the 18-year-old Brandon Miller. The DA said there are no charges to press, which baffles me. Mm -hmm. Right. Even though it was... He got the gun. Like, right. he was the one that brought the gun. Right. Like, uh, if, if someone I know asked me to bring a gun, I am going to say no. I will call the police. Like, right. I, in no way, and shape, or form am I bringing you a gun. Brandon Miller's car reportedly had two bullet marks in it. Like, it got hit during the shooting. And right. so all the more reason of, like, this is a little weird. Nate Oates said that it was a matter of wrong spots in the wrong time. Yeah, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Which is terrible phrasing. Yeah, very interesting. I, I think that, obviously, you know, the awfulness of a woman's death aside, especially mm-hmm. a young mother, um, it'll be very curious to see, A, how this situation is handled, but, B, how the University of Alabama is able to potentially play without Brandon Miller, but also handle the outside noise. It seems like they're just going to keep on keeping on, by right. the way. exactly. What happens in Tuscaloosa stays in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they're not suspending great. him or anything. Right, not great. Um, but we did see the University of Texas, that was a you know preseason top five team with Chris Beard at the helm, deal with the outside noise of him being arrested for um, domestic assault. And while the charges have since been dropped – essentially the University of Texas and Beard kind of were like, hey, let's come to this plea deal of sorts of like, you know, you'll admit that, yeah, I did it. And then we'll just all kind of say, all right, we're parting mm-hmm. ways. It's all good. And he said, no, I'm innocent. And they said, okay, we fire you. Um, 
And now that the charges have been dropped, it'll be curious to see if he jumps back into the foray of college coaching, if he is welcome back. But also, you know, credit to Texas, which is a veteran team. Marcus Carr is in his 12th year of college basketball, Mm -hmm. it seems like. Um, And they bring in Tyrese Hunter, the Big 12 newcomer of the year last year at Iowa State. And so they have a lot of talent in Austin. And so they've been able to navigate that noise. And I believe it's now they've won 10 of their last 12 or something like that. They did lose last week, but they remain in the top 10. As well, um, some other names since kind of like the, the players' championship. I know a lot of our listeners out there. Even if you're not as focused in on the college basketball season during the year, you will be in these next few weeks. Absolutely. Um, Purdue did lose did lose again at Maryland. Listen, folks, it, it's tough to win on the road. Like even when I was doing my quick hits and picks earlier today, like you scroll through a lot of these top ten teams, and like outside of Houston, for who whatever the reason, their only two losses have both come at home in Houston, which does not bode well for the Final Four being in Houston. And I'm pretty sure their home campus is going to be one of the sites that's going to be used uh, at some point. So that's you know for, at least for practice round for practicing. So that's going to be fun if they make it. But outside of Houston. Everybody loses on the road. Mm-hmm. It is so hard to win on the road in college basketball in 2022 and so in 2023. And so I don't buy a lot of stock into the Purdue loss. I don't think they are, and they self-admitted are not naturally talented. I mean, Zach Eady, like literally just started playing basketball like five years ago and he's going to win national player of the year. They just work really well together. And so Purdue's a safe pick, um, but obviously UCLA and Arizona are coming on strong. Both picked up big wins last week. Um, UCLA, I kind of liken them a little bit to what North Carolina was last year, and it's kind of funny because North Carolina is what UCLA was last year, where coming off a huge Final Four runner, in the case of UNC, a national championship game run, all the hype in the world, they're bringing the whole band back, and then they kind of fall flat on their face. And that's where the defending national runner-ups find themselves. Um, but, hey, UCLA gives you hope that while they lost Johnny Juzang to, you know, graduation and moving on to his professional basketball career, they bring back Jaime Jaquez, they bring back a rejuvenated Tiger Campbell at point, and they find themselves in the top five in the AP poll once again. And so um, that's a lot to throw at y'all, but uh, just know that we have 12 – Top 25 teams in action tonight. Four of them are going to be going head, or eight of them, I should say, going head-to-head. So four inter-top 25 matchups. And so, uh, yeah, college basketball is a lot of fun. Did you guys, unfortunately. Real quick, did you mention Kansas? I did not mention Kansas, but yeah, Kansas also, uh, once again, remains in the top five. Um, I've had them at three. A lot of people want to give me flack for that. Um, They're like, oh, they're finally living up to your expectation. Look, Mm -hmm. they're defending national champs. I know the roster is completely different from a year ago. It's Bill Self. Yeah. I'm going to believe the guy until he proves me otherwise. How many teams at this point have had that number one spot? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, let's let's do the math in my head. Because I feel like it's been a lot. Yeah, well, at the very least, it's been those top three of Alabama, Houston, and Purdue. Um, I believe Kansas has at some point or another. Um, UNC definitely did. Gonzaga did as well. So Mm -hmm. it's at least seven or eight, I would say, at this point in time. I don't have the number off the top of my head right now. But, um, but yeah, a lot of good basketball being played. And, you know, I, I don't have the exact details on this one, but I have to ask if you guys saw, unfortunately, what occurred in the North Florida-Austin P game on Saturday, the massive brawl um, that occurred post-game. And obviously it's not what you want. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be on the call for two of UNF's, you know, their two final home games this week. So hopefully we get a little bit more insight into what exactly happened. But uh, between that. Jonathan I- Abar was the only one suspended for yeah. UNF. 
uh, men's basketball, and he was only suspended for a game, so he'll be back on Friday for the final regular season game against Bellarmine. Right. Which I wasn't sure who, how many players would be suspended after that, and so I was honestly glad to see it was only one player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, when you watch the video back, and again, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to speculate. When, sure. when I call the games tomorrow and Friday, I'll be able to tell you more. Uh, I'm talking to Coach Matthew Driscoll, but it sure as heck just looked like it was like eight Austin P guys just going after Jonathan. In talking to someone who is familiar with the Austin P basketball team, they said that there's a player on that team who is always looking for a fight. And so, yeah, it he seems like the instigator, yeah. most certainly, and then other people kind of get dragged into it, which is unfortunate, uh, especially for Abar. And I do, of course, have to give a shout-out uh, to the yes. to the women's basketball. Well, I have to give a couple shout-outs because you're right. I have another one i got to give a shout-out to. Um, but the women's uh, basketball realm is alive and well. Um, of course, you know, I'd be remiss if I don't talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll get to that in a second. Um, South Carolina able to just edge Ole Miss and retain the number one ranking in the country. They're on, I believe it's now a 38-game win streak or something absurd like that. Um, Indiana at number two, followed by Stanford, who also narrowly survived UCLA to remain at 25-3. and three. UConn, don't look now, here they come. Back at number four, they moved up two spots in the poll. LSU, Iowa, Maryland, Utah, Virginia Tech, and Notre Dame rounding out the top ten. But very excited for all my friends back in Iowa City because for the first time ever, and I love that ESPN is doing this nationwide, um, college game day for women's basketball is going to be coming to Iowa City because number two Indiana going to be traveling to face the Lady Hawkeyes on Sunday afternoon. And so You mentioned Ole Miss women's basketball. Yolette McPhee-McEwen was once on Helmets and Heels. She used to be the JU women's basketball coach mm-hmm. and then obviously went to Ole Miss. So I love the the local tie that we have with her. Yeah, Coach Yo is she's really awesome. she's really built that program up. And she obviously, has. you know, in the SEC it's South Carolina and everybody else. And now with Kim Mulkey going to LSU, you know, that kind of changes the dynamic a bit because it's it's honestly the equivalent of Brian Kelly, even though Kim Mulkey's a much worse human being. Um going to <laughs> Baton Rouge. Um it, it's honestly the equivalent of that because it gave such a jolt to that program that had been dormant for so long. And so for Coach Yo to be still hanging and, you know, with that Ole Miss team and competing in a in a pretty pretty tight SEC, even if it's not what the Big Ten has become. I do think, you know, when I was covering Iowa a few years ago, the Big Ten, I think, sent two teams to the NCAA tournament, and now they have four teams in the top ten alone. Um, so I, I think, you know, the future is bright for the SEC. So, And then our other shout-out we want to give a shout-out to, we have not one, not two, not three, but four local girls whoop, basketball whoop. teams that are going to be playing for Final Four and and state championship berths this week. And so a shout-out to the Providence ladies. Uh, they are in the Class 3A Final Four tomorrow at 10 a.m. facing Miami Country Day down in Lakeland. In Class 2A, St. John's Country Day, of course, headlined by Talia Scott, the McDonald's All-American, will face Faith Christian at 2 o'clock on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Oakleaf and Bishop Kenny make their return to the Final Four. Oakleaf returning to the Final Four after a one-year absence. And Bishop Kenny, your alma mater, Lauren, making its fifth straight yes. appearance, hoping to finally get over the hump and win that elusive Class 4A state title. I certainly hope uh, that it goes that goes according to plan. By the way, I'm not one to always bring up Tom Brady on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donna obviously usually would do that. But Tom Brady, I saw this. Tom Brady volunteered at the Humane Society of Tampa Bay with his kids and specifically asked for that to stay quiet. And he recently adopted two kittens for his daughter. Well done, Tom Brady. I feel like there are a ton of athletes that do things like this 
without wanting any recognition. And mm-hmm. so he's not alone in this. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that. But I just think it's fantastic that here is this just mega superstar. And during a season in which he was struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. certainly struggling personally, he still found time to go to the Humane Society. And I love animals. I don't know that I have the personality that would be good for volunteering at the Humane Society. Oh, no. I would come up with home with so many. <laughs> so and many I'd cry animals. for any of them that I couldn't take with me. So I'm really happy uh, that Tom Brady was able to take two of the kittens home. And I just think that's adorable. What Way was the go. girl's name who worked here? Jordan, Jordan. Diarmid. Oh, my God. She had like, like 12 rescues at her house. <laughs> they were she all did. chihuahuas. She was she, obsessed. I think yes. she still has six or seven. She's still six or seven? Yeah. Obsessed. She just it's got nice. married, by the way. Yeah, she, she did that. just get married. And, and she's, she's pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> oh, wow. We like to keep up with our former heels, <laughs> although I think she's the first formal, former heel to be pregnant. She's not the first to be married, but she's yeah. the first former heel to be pregnant. So right. there's not something in the water around here. Were the chihuahuas part of, I was yeah. like, were, were they part the of the announcement? Oh, and, and the wedding as well. I need to know I if think the they were. Part. I was she about to say with her, definitely. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the bridesmaids uh, scene it. when uh, I probably, you know, I took nine. Oh, yeah. Of the she dogs. opens the like minivan and there's just all the puppies. I was like, yes, that would be me. That would be me. Me too. And that would knock over well at home. So. All right. That is a wrap for us. But don't go anywhere. Into the Night with Rick Ballou comes up no, next. No, no, no. Not Into the Night Hack with Rick Ballou. We got oh, yeah. Ryan the Hacker Green. Oh, I'm so sorry. Is Rick Ballou on vacation yes. today? Yes. So he's, he wasn't yesterday, but he is today. Correct. He's in Costa Rica till next Wednesday. And he, But he's not leaving 1010 forever. No, not yes. This <laughs> not, is actually not moving a real to Costa, Costa Rica, Rica trip. <laughs> yes. All right. So never mind. Into the Night with Rick Ballou comes back next week. Stay tuned for Hacker After Dark right now on 1010 XL 2.5 FM. 